This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. Thanks so much for joining us today. A great guest with us today. James Holman is the Director of Fiscal Policy at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy, and he joins us. James, how are you today? I'm doing great, Tony. Yourself? I'm doing very, very well. So as we're recording this, you had the opportunity to go to a pretty cool event today. (laughs) Most people might not think it's fun, but I find it interesting. Talk about that meeting you attended today. Well, there was a hearing on the earned income tax credit expansion going from 6% of what the federal government offers to 30%. And keep in mind, I just watched the hearing. I submitted some written testimony about this. I wasn't at the meeting. Thankfully, we live in the future and you can watch these things without having to drive an hour and a half to Lansing. Although I'm prepared to do that tomorrow to talk about the pension exemptions. But there are a lot of people there that were talking about the virtues of the earned tax credit. And unfortunately, though, there weren't enough people that were mentioning the problems with the earned income tax credit. I mean, the most important being that 27% of credits are cashed in by ineligible people. And that's a major problem when you design a program to go to people with particular characteristics and 27% of it goes to other people. And then on top of that, a lot of lawmakers want the earned income tax credit to focus in on low-income households to encourage work. And it does that. But the limits also stretch far into the middle class, like you can earn credits under this program and earn $59,000 a year, which means that a lot of people who collect this credit are people who don't need additional support and consideration by the state government. Many of these politicians are middle class people. Why does it seem in so many instances they try to squash that group of folks? Well, I don't know that there's a lot of that. I think a lot of politics is trying to find people who get special political consideration and deliver favors to them or deliver special things to them. But you're right, though, is that what lawmakers should want to care most about is the basics, the basics of order, justice, and liberty, of ensuring that there's, to go back to the Constitution, domestic tranquility. And there's some improvements that we can make on this, especially at the congressional level, because one of the things that people really need is sound money, and 9% inflation is not exactly sound money. So that 27% of funds that's going to folks who shouldn't have it, how do we stop that? Well, that's one of the issues why I think if they had a good long conversation about trying to ensure that people who need help from the government get the help that they need, that you wouldn't wind up with the program like the earned income tax credit. Because the biggest issue is that these are all eligibility is determined exclusively by the federal government and enforcement is largely through the Internal Revenue Service. And so, you know, there's not much that state lawmakers can do about that if they're just piggybacking on the federal government. Now, There are a bunch of people that are talking about how to improve the EITC so that there's not 27% improper payments. And a lot of that is about strengthening rules around what you need to do to demonstrate that you get the additional bumps in the EITC for how many dependents you have, and then establishing clear income targets. And there's some other people that have some interesting ideas about how to do that. But state lawmakers aren't doing any of that. We're just piggybacking on the federal EITC. James, tell us about the pension exemptions hearing you're going to be attending. 
Okay. So in 2011, lawmakers moved from giving just blanket exemptions to pension income. So annuitized checks from your former employers to deduction available to all seniors, where you get to exempt $20,000 of income of your income to, or 40,000 if you're filing jointly. And that applies to retirement income of all types. And well, The way that they did that meant that a lot of people that were earning pensions were going to be subject to higher taxes. And so repealing the pension tax has been a major point from lawmakers, both from Republicans and Democrats, but differences in how to do it or negotiations between Republicans and Democrats weren't going out well. And so this new legislature, first bill is to exempt pensions from income taxes. And well, I think that's the problem because we shouldn't be giving favors to just one type of retirement income. More and more people are retiring on 401ks. Fewer and fewer people are getting Mm. pensions. I don't know why we're trying to encourage one type of retirement income over the other. And that's what I'm going to tell people. We're talking with James Holman, who is Director of Fiscal Policy at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. When we come back from break, we're going to ask him, are we going to see a tax hike in Michigan in 2023? We'll do that next here on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Looking for high-quality office furniture on a budget? Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing for huge savings. We've got new and used office furniture from brand-name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Browse through 5,000 square feet and save on seating, desks, files, storage, and more. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The office furniture outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with James Holman of the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. He knows fiscal policy better than most. James, you recently wrote a piece, and I'll come right out and ask it. Is a tax hike coming in Michigan in 2023? Maybe. I really don't know, but I put in what I think is going to drive this factors on both for and against. I mean, the biggest reason why we shouldn't get a tax increase in this year is because lawmakers don't need the money. Our state government operates on a balanced budget requirement, and we've got more money than lawmakers seem to know what to do with. And if you don't need extra revenue, there's not a strong reason to raise taxes. So I think that's the biggest thing. However, There's particular taxes I think Democrats are interested in and are probably going to have a debate. So cigarette taxes. The state hasn't raised its cigarette taxes since 2004. And I think a lot of Democrats want to increase cigarette taxes as a way to punish smokers and to raise revenue. The biggest problem with that is that already in the state of Michigan, 20% of all cigarettes consumed here are smuggled in order to avoid cigarette taxes. That's a huge (laughs) problem. Mm -hmm. And if we raise taxes to do it, that's just going to increase. I mean, one of the reasons why the cigarette smuggling rate has been decreasing is because other states have been increasing their taxes while Michigan's high taxes kind of remained the same. And so if we hike our taxes even more, we're just going to encourage more smuggling. All right. Silly question, but why wouldn't we try to address the smuggling? 
<laughs> well, we are. We have a whole state police division geared towards cigarette tax enforcement. It's just really hard when the profit opportunities are so large. Again, like you're talking about, you know, $2 a pack in Michigan versus, you know, 50 cents in some other places on a very small product, which means that there's just a huge opportunity to buy cigarettes in lower tax jurisdictions, bring them to Michigan and sell them in the black and gray markets. It's a major problem. It's a thing that's real. The best thing that they can do about this is not talk about raising cigarette taxes here in Michigan, but talk to our friends in Indiana and Wisconsin and Minnesota and Ohio about like getting together and say, look, let's Try and bring our tax policies closer to each other, which decreases the smuggling opportunities. So, James, we have a balanced budget. What's the surplus we have here in Michigan? So right now, I mean, I think they're going to get further further data. But when lawmakers passed the budget last year, they put $7 billion off to the side. They spent another billion of that in November and December. So we got $6 billion just kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting for lawmakers to spend. And that's in addition to revenue growth. When lawmakers saw that the federal government was stimulating the state economy, they thought, well, it might boost up revenue for one or two years. And it's actually just ratcheted it up. So we still have large and growing revenues. It's given lawmakers a ton of money to work with. It's one of the reasons why I think that lawmakers should be interested in lowering taxes right now. All right. And call me simplistic, James. I'll take that moniker if it fits. But if we have a surplus... And even if we are thinking about raising taxes here in Michigan, why wouldn't we, number one, put it towards the roads and number two, maybe put it toward K through 12 education, especially in those urban areas that are struggling? Yeah, that's one of the things about having a lot of revenue growth is that you can accomplish a lot of different priorities. And so lawmakers are already spending more money on the roads. So there used to be a dispute with the governor and the legislature about how to fix the roads with the governor wanting a tax hike and legislators wanting to spend more money in the budget on the roads. Last year, they agreed to just spend more money on the roads. I think that's a good idea. The lawmakers can afford it. I hope they're interested in doing more of that in the future, because right now we're already close to the point where we're putting roads together faster than they fall apart. It shouldn't take that much more revenue to get us to that goal of continual year-over-year improvement. And I think more people need to pay attention to this because I think a lot of people are like, look, we need to spend you know, $2 billion more on the roads. I don't think so. I think we need to get to the point where we're putting roads together faster than they fall apart. And we're already close to that point. As far as education, obviously, it's the governor's top priority. I think there's going to be a big discussion about how much to increase foundation allowances next year and a bunch of other things. I read towards the end of last year that there was a lot of pork projects that were passed. And talk a little bit about some of the silly ones, some of the wasteful ones that went through. I'd rather talk about the process that gets us there because there's always a political desire from lawmakers to bring money back home to their districts. Mm -hmm. Nothing is going to get around that. But really what taxpayers should want, what the public should want is some type of process where we say, here's what we want to accomplish. And here's a pot of money that we're going to use to accomplish those things and have people submit projects for that money to a grant process. 
They don't do that with these 147 projects, a billion dollars. It is just all politically driven. We're not trying to accomplish anything other than giving political interests some payments. And all of those projects just popped into the budget at the last minute, as in the House passed budgets, the Senate passed budgets. And when they got together to reconcile the differences, one of those differences is that 147 different projects popped in at the last minute. And taxpayers care. They should. I mean, you can accomplish a lot of other things with a billion dollars. I mean, you could drop the income tax down to 3.9% with that billion dollars. So, I mean, there's some important things to do as a better way of doing it. I don't know what this new legislature, now that we have Democratic trifecta, is going to continue that last minute surprise district project thing. They don't have to, to get majority support anymore, but I suspect that they kind of like being able to bring home individual projects to their districts. We're talking with James Holman, who is the Director of Fiscal Policy at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. When we come back, we'll talk about the governor and her fiscal responsibilities here in our state. I'm Tony Connolly, this is Media Business, and this is the Michigan Business Network. may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly on the Michigan Business Network. This is our last segment with James Holman, who is the Director of Fiscal Policy at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. James, from your perspective, as someone who follows fiscal policy, from what you can see from this governor taking away COVID, if you will, is she fiscally responsible with our state tax dollars? Certainly ran like she wanted to be. When you looked at her camp, when you heard her campaign literature, it was about balancing the budget. It was about bipartisan work. It was about not raising taxes. The governor has kind of had an easy job because the federal government has showered the state with extra money and state revenues keep going up. So she hasn't had to make a lot of the tough decisions that some other governors have had to make about how to live within very limited revenues. So the state budget's growing. It's made budgeting a lot easier. We're going to see. I really am not exactly sure what to expect from the governor over the next four years. What do you think will be at the forefront of what happens with our tax dollars this year beyond road money and education funding? Okay, so for tax policy, we've talked about the cigarette tax debate. When you listen to what Democrats have kind of run on or complained about over the last eight years, one of the things that they've also mentioned is that we raise taxes on people to pay for business tax cuts. And so we need to ensure that businesses pay their fair share. Well, 
I look at that and say, businesses don't in fact pay taxes. Their shareholders, their employees, their managers do. And that has a pretty strong economic consequence. Like a dollar for dollar, you're going to hurt the economy more by having corporate income taxes than you are sales taxes, for instance. Now we can talk about like the redistribution area affects and some of the things that lawmakers want to accomplish, but I expect there to be some pressure to talk about taxing businesses in the next year or two. And I really think the lawmakers are going to be barking up the wrong tree. Uh, well, yeah. it's a proven fact. The data and research shows that if business is fruitful, economies are fruitful. Why are we back in this place again? I think when you look at mm-hmm. Democrats, the incoming Democrats' top mm-hmm. priorities, they're all kind of reactionary to what mm-hmm. happened in Lansing during the Snyder administration. Mm-hmm. So we've got the repeal of the pension tax. Well, that's in response to what Snyder did. We've got raised tax on businesses to afford for earned income tax credits. Well, that's a reaction to what Snyder did. Prevailing wage, right to work, all sorts of things are there that's just kind of a reaction to what happened in the eight years of the Snyder administration. And I think, again, Democrats are looking at the most controversial things that he did, and he thinks that what he did was unpopular, so they're expressing some of their reform or expressing some of their dismay and trying to get to some of those policies rescinded. But that's why we're having these conversations. We're still having the same debate that we had a decade ago. Politics, from a journalistic point of view, is frustrating for me because I'm from Mount Clemens, Michigan. So as someone who has lived in this state since the 80s, I see both Republicans and Democrats failing at several things. I see them failing at helping lower economic urban areas grow, get better, find better housing. I see a failure in improving K through 12 education in poor urban areas. To me, those things really stick out and that's where the needs are. And we're not getting it done there, James. I'm with you on this. But one of the issues that lawmakers are struggling with is that they found that more money doesn't fix these problems. So Detroit Public Schools on a per pupil basis, one of the best funded school districts in the state. I think the top four, Detroit, Pontiac, Benton Harbor, and oh, you have to check out the Mackinac Center's website for it because we do have some information about that. It's These urban places do get a lot of extra special consideration from the federal government to fund programs that aren't available for smaller cities, but the money doesn't translate into better quality government services. It doesn't translate into into safer streets. What they largely need is better management. And that's a tough thing to just Mm -hmm. force. Lansing can't give you better management. You can't mandate it through statute. I know because they've tried. That was the emergency manager laws. And most of the places that got emergency managers did not come with competent government management. Mm -hmm. So it's a tough problem to have, but we need to kind of have that conversation and then try and focus on that as the problem of how to make sure that residents get a better return for all the money that we're spending on large cities and their school districts. All right, James, final question for you. How can I, how can we in the media get better at not only informing our listeners, our readers about the fiscal policy, but to even care more, to get them more excited to report the truth? How can I be better? Where have we gone bad and where can we get better? Okay. So the thing that drives me nuts often is 
just to recognize some self-interest in some actions, like our economic development administrators want to promote their latest deals. You can be skeptical of that because especially in that area of the selective business subsidy projects, these deals never pan out. They cost taxpayers a bunch. And when economists look at them, they rarely pay for themselves. And yet any time you hear about some business getting a big deal from lawmakers, it's in exclusively glowing terms. Mm-hmm. But that's just because the people involved are the people who get a handout, special deals, and the people are collecting them, and they're not going to criticize the deals. James Holman is the Director of Fiscal Policy. If you want to know what's going on in the state when it comes to fiscal policy, you have to make one of your reads, the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. James, we appreciate your time so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. I'm Tony Conley. You've been listening to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. See you next time.